What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Rockcast brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. Jordan here. It is April 26th, Tuesday. We're going to kick through another episode of Tipsy Tuesday. So, first things first, the Cold Bow Challenge is coming in real hot this weekend. So, April 29th, a Saturday is when that is going to start. Um, you can find the thread down in the notes of this article or of this podcast. Um, Cliff Notes of the Cold Bow Challenge, if you haven't heard of it yet, it is you f- you pick a max effective range of like the max distance you say right now. If I had to go out and shoot, I would shoot at an animal, and you're gonna use that to as your as your distance to shoot off of for five days. So you're gonna shoot one arrow a day for five days. Uh, the days do not need to be consecutive, but you cannot do practice shots in between your shooting days, and you can have no warm-up shots before you shoot your one arrow. There's a lot of prizes. Um, if you get in on uh, early on it, you can get entered to win some of those prizes. Visit the link down in my notes for more. Um, I'm going to shoot with you guys this year. I'm going to be shooting the Matthews V3 Expo, which I'm super excited about. So that is coming in uh, coming in pretty quick here at the end of the week. So uh, new rock slide articles. Robbie just uh, published an article on the rock blog called Focus the Great Equalizer. And that's a great article. It's pretty short. And then uh, Hunting Bears in the Southeast Alaska is a new article. It's up as well. And then I pulled a couple of older archived articles because they apply to the season that we're in. Um, Bear Baiting 101. That was published in 2012 by Amy, uh, Amy Hanneman. And that link is below. And uh, it still applies for sure. And then another one written by Eric Keller, which is Tips and Tales 7 on the forums. Honestly, I'm not sure if he's on the forums anymore. Anyways, he posted an article or he wrote an article called Turkey 101. We're in the spring seasons. It's bear and turkey time. And there you go. If you want to learn a little more about that. It's always good, I think, even to go back as a as like an experienced person and like read some 101 articles and then like get you back to the basics. I think it's great stuff. So look at that. All right. On to hot news. So uh, Montana is currently fixing an error with their elk draw that happened last week, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, so basically what happened is there was like 10 districts that uh, they decided to change this year to first and only choice. So you could not use them as like your second and third choice when you're putting into the draw. So it just had to be like, if you want to hunt that unit, like you got to put in for that unit and that's the only one you can put in for. Um, that was good in theory, but technology kind of let everybody down and people were putting in just as they regularly would. So it, Again, as 10 hunting districts affected 2,482 applicants. And so what they're going to do is um, they're going to re-administer for like a certain number of those units. They were, they're all managed a little bit different, or districts, I guess. They're all managed a little bit different, so they had to go about a couple ways in this. So the how they're doing it is kind of split between um, part of the districts and part of the other districts. So... Some of them, it says, um, 
some of the applicants who entered second and third choices, they will receive the permit because the number of permits unallocated after the draw is greater than the number of applicants who were removed. So I think that the way I look into that is they just kind of got grandfathered into it because there were the tags available to do so. And then um, the next thing that they're doing though is there's another set of districts that were removed from the draw and they will be entered into a random drawing next week. And those who are unsuccessful in the second drawing will receive a bonus point. So it's a bit of bit of uh, things happening. And it says uh, any hunter who drew a permit in, in last week's draw will not lose it. So if, you, if it says you drew a permit, like you got it. They're not going to take it from you because they screwed up. But they're trying to figure out how to navigate the rest of this. And in that time when they're navigating the rest of the situation, uh, some individuals may see temporarily that they were unsuccessful in the draw. So if you get on and you think that there's some things happening with your uh, with your Montana application, this could be what's going on. So check into it. Um, okay, then just a quick look at a few Montana black bear changes. Um, if you harvest a black bear, you must report it within 48 hours. Okay. Region 6 is new for 2022. Uh, region 1, the hunters are required to submit one premolar tooth from any black bear harvested within 10 days of the harvest. That means you only have to submit the tooth. You do not have to have your bear inspected and tagged by a uh, Montana uh, game person. And then uh, dogs are not allowed for spring black bear hunting in some areas, so be sure to check on that. And then this one seems very standard to me, but it says you cannot harvest black bear cubs less than one year old or harvest a female black bear with cubs. Seems very standard, and nobody should do that. Um, okay, these next couple articles are kind of interesting. Um, this one is titled, Father and Son Sentenced After Poaching Idaho Grizzly Bear. Okay, so they went into a little further detail on this uh, this article, which I thought was really interesting. So, um, in Caribou Targi National Forest, last spring there was two dudes from Ashton, Idaho, which is basically just right on the backside of the Tetons there on the Idaho side. Um, they were hiking around near Island Park, which is known to be full of grizzlies, and they saw a bear which they thought was a black bear, get up and run through the trees. I don't know if they like freaked out and thought that it was chasing them or whatever. They opened fire on it. Well, it was a grizzly bear. They shot it 12 times and then they left and did not tell Game and Fish, um, which the grizzly bears are uh, an endangered species. So that's a problem. And, I mean, it's a problem anyways, but especially the endangered species portion. Um, I don't know what they did not know probably is that there was a tracking collar, um, on the grizzly bear. So Idaho game and fish, uh, it starts kicking off mortality signals. They go find her. Um, and then they, uh, they find that she's deceased and then they, they recovered a bullet from, uh, her rib cage. And the biologists went to her known denning site where they found that her six to eight week old male cub had died in her absence because she wasn't there. Which, And then, uh, yeah, so they took her in, they x-rayed her. There's 12 bullets and one bullet fragment inside of her. Um, so armed 
with the information um, at Hook Game and Fish, as they often do, like put out something that's like, hey, this is what happened. Like, if you have any information, come forward. Um, uh, it, back in Ashton, this fellow by the name of Jared Baum got, uh, he heard about the Pressler release and started to freak out. Um, it says he knew that the, the grizzly had been collared and he quickly threw the guns that him and his father had used to kill it in a nearby pond. Uh, says after ditching the guns, they may have momentarily believed that they had managed to evade justice, but the investigators were hot on their trail. And uh, they took the case to Google and issued a warrant for any pings from electronic devices that happened to be in or around the scene of the poaching incident around the time of Sal's Grizzly's death. And that led them to searches made by Jared Baum. Uh, says they questioned him in November 21. He admitted to killing what he said he thought was a black bear and uh, when they began shooting at it. And uh, it says even if that was true, there was no black bear season happening. So they're just like winging lead at bears or whatever is running through the trees in front of them. So um, after... After all the things have gone down, um, it says for his part, uh, Jared was issued a felony charge that carries a lifetime revocation of his hunting privileges, 30 consecutive days in Fremont County Jail, three years probation, and fines in excess of 12 grand. And his father will spend three days in jail, pay more than $1,000 in fines and penalties, and his hunting privileges will be revoked for 10 years. So... Uh, neither of them are going to be able to hunt in any of the 48 U.S. states that participate in the Interstate Wildlife Violators Compact. So, good lord. Uh, Some CSI stuff right there. Okay. And then this one makes me angry. Um, But this just shows to, like, do your due diligence on when you're booking a hunt with an outfitter or somebody that says they have a lease. Because in Iowa or sorry, Ohio, read that wrong, Uh, a fella scammed 59 people, telling them that he had a hunting lease, showing them pictures of bucks and telling them whatever they want to hear to book a hunt. He takes cash and he runs. (laughs) So he, um, okay, this fella by the name of uh, Nathan Knox, he implemented or he started this scheme. Um, Okay, he placed advertisements on at least 38 Facebook pages, including like, you know, there's just a bunch of them out there for like hunting leases and hunting and deer hunts and all the whatever. And he was selling those leases on places that he does not own. He was 30 years old at the time, an Ohio resident. And yeah, he said he charged anywhere from four hundred to five thousand dollars for the leases and accepted payments through PayPal, which is legit, I would say. Walmart to Walmart, not legit. Uh, MoneyGram, I would also say not legit. Um, Western Union, maybe, and then Venmo. I mean, PayPal and Venmo are pretty standard nowadays. Uh, but just know what you're know what you're purchasing. And uh, he said that. After he got the money, like the initial deposit, like a lot of people do, 
he sent contracts out, which is standard, and then he sent instructions via email of what to do. So there were two hunters from Florida that fell into this. They uh, went to the lease site to scout the area before the hunt, and the landowner, actual landowner, caught them and uh, realized that they were victims of fraudulent activity. So they immediately contacted the sheriff's department unbeknownst or like this Knox dude did not know that. And they were like, hey, looks good. Let's meet up and uh, we'll pay you the rest, uh, the second half of the $5,000 fee. They met up and the Fayette County Sheriff's Department arrested him on September 30th, 2019. And it says... uh, at this time, like people had started to catch on to what was going on, but they didn't know who was doing it, so that uh, got him, got him there. It says um, says over the course of the scandal, Knox solicited initial payments from at least fifty nine individuals, all of whom were not Ohio residents. In total, he gained more than thirty four thousand dollars of illicit income. And he pled guilty to wire fraud and will be sentenced in the coming months by a federal district court judge. The maximum penalty he could receive is 20 years in prison. So, don't be a slime bag. Work for your money and sell people what they purchased. Uh, Okay. With that, let's go into... um, Some important dates coming up. So, at the end of May... The uh, I know that the Wyoming draw is going to be going on for non-residents for deer and antelope, so be looking for that. Um, I'll do a hot minute. I've been seeing a few questions pop up. I just thought I would answer on here just because it, it seems like we beat them to death, but they keep popping up. So, um, Okay, this one is, would you rather have a three or four season tent that is warmer or a floorless shelter? Um in my opinion, it kind of depends. Uh, but when you're talking about just being warmer, like, you know, a four season tent will be a little bit warmer just because of like the material, like your body heat's going to stay in it a little bit better. It's going to, um, I wouldn't say it'll like cut the wind better, but you will have a better inner tent. Um, but like you're talking like a few degrees. I mean, it's not going to, you know, it's not like you're going to be warm and cozy um, in a four season tent when it's cold outside and, you know, in a floorless, you wouldn't be. So here's like my thoughts on it. I've talked about this before. I really think like if you, unless you're doing something that's like above Alpine uh, where there's like no trees or anything around when you need when you don't have wood or like when you need to have something that's freestanding, a floorless shelter is really hard to beat. I think like if you can find one that, um, that has a nest insert, so you can put an insert in or that some people call them a nest. And that's basically like a floor with some kind of a bug netting. Um, so if you do that and then when in the later season, when you're not using that, you can take it out and you can put a stove in like, yeah, the stoves aren't made to run all night long. Like, it's not like a stove in your house. Well, hell, even like the stove in our house, the um, the power went off the other day and we were burning wood. And it's still like you're getting up in the middle of the night and throwing some wood on it. So it's not like super cold in the morning. Um, and that's in an insulated house. So 
if you're in, yeah, a nylon, like, thin shelter, there's no insulation there to keep the warmth in. So, yeah, it's not going to be super warm for a long time. But as long as you keep the fire stoked, like, you're good. Um, at least you have that option. So, that's what I would say. Do not be afraid of a floorless or thinking that it's just going to be super cold. Like, if you have a stove and you're in it, like, keep the stove going, by all means. Um, okay. Next question, uh, best pack for five days. Um, I'm going to take this more over to size. I think that the minimum amount of cubic inches people should look for when they're looking for a, you know, a bag for like four or five days is 5,000 cubic inches, especially when you're just starting out. I personally wouldn't go below that. Um, it's just like you get packs that are smaller that can definitely handle that gear that you have when you're packing it up all nice at your house. But what happens often is like things are wet, you're in a hurry, you're freaking cold, like you're trying to go and you're trying to pack up so you can leave or so you can move or something like that. I like that extra space because I can just cram stuff in there. I don't have to play Tetris to get it all to fit perfectly. So that's why I would err on the side of a bigger bag. You really never wish that you had a smaller bag. You're always wishing that you had a bigger one. So 5,000 cubic inches, I think, is a pretty good starting point for that. Um, the next question that I had that kind of went along with that is, like, best size for a day pack. I really like that 2,000 cubic inch mark-ish. Um, right now I'm using, like, the um, the Striker XL with... Uh, another pocket on the back and uh, then I keep my spotting scope on the outside in one of the side pockets along with my tripod so that frees up a little bit of space when you look at it like that it is probably like right around that 2,000 cubic inch mark but the 2,000 2,500 like maybe up to 3,000 right in there like I think that's a pretty good it's a pretty good standard um, and then there's a there's a thread going on right now called dual use items that actually one of our friends that's been on a couple of times uh, from Kansas talking about like um, DIY hunts. Uh, that's Heath Stevie. Um, he was talking about DIY hunts in uh, in Alaska, and we've gosh we've done two or three podcasts with him now. Um, he started that, and one of the guys commented on it and said that one of the multi-use items he likes is crystal light packs. So you have lemonade by day and margarita mix by night, which I thought was kind of clever. So here's like a few of my dual use things. I would say a sharp, uh, a, a tarp, I almost said cheap tarp, um, a tarp. So uh, I use the sheep tarp from Kifaru. It, uh, it like, you can pop it up to glass under, uh, to keep you out of the sun, keep you out of the wind, keep you out of the rain. That's what we use it mostly for. That's why I carry it with me. Um, you can also use it like on the out, you can pitch it on the outside of your tent. So it's more like a little vestibule. You can pitch it really low. So you can just like have your gear underneath of it and the dew and the, um, rain and stuff won't get on it. Um, and then you can lay it out and you can use it as like a clean space to throw meat on, um, or to throw your gear on, or there's just all kinds of uses for it. Like a tarp is really versatile. I definitely recommend doing that. Um, another thing is like a glassing pad. 
but a little bit bigger glassing pad. So a lot of guys now are using like the Thermarest Z seats, which I use one all the time. They're nice because they're just the size of like a seat you can sit on for your butt. Um, what I did in Alaska and what I think I'm going to start doing this year is I took something that's more like a, one of those foam sleeping pads that fold up like an accordion. Thermarest has one called the Z-Rest. They do make one that's three-quarter length also. Um, but if you do something like that that's like half or three-quarter length, um, it'll save a little bit on your bulk, but it gives you like a little bit bigger of a glassing seat. Um, you know, you can, if you do a three-quarter length, if you have your feet up, you can put your feet on it. That will get you a little bit, um, it might help a little bit on the, the warmth of your feet if they're not sitting on the ground, if you have issues with that. But you can also do a lot of other things with it. So uh, if you put it underneath your sleeping pad, it can act as kind of a ground cloth. It's going to protect your sleeping pad from getting punctures. It's going to add R value to the whole setup by acting as a ground sheet. Um, obviously a sitting pad like I was talking about. And then it can be an emergency pad if you get stuck out overnight or if your sleeping pad goes down. At least you have something with some R value that's going to block some of the cold from the ground and I mean it's not going to add very much comfort but it's going to be better than sleeping on the freaking ground so or directly on the ground so that's something else that um, I haven't done a lot like I haven't used that system a lot but when I used it in Alaska last year uh, I started using it more here and um, definitely going to adopt that this year and from now on um, there's a lot of other things you can use too that you already carry that can be dual use things if you just think outside the box. So like one guy mentioned using a tripod for obviously glassing, but it can also help like hold up your, um, hold up your tarp like we're just talking about. Um, it can hold, you know, other things up or, uh, you can hang things off of it. Um, even including like an elk leg or something like that. If you needed, you could use your tripod to like pull an elk leg back and tie it to your tripod or something like that. You just have to be, you just got to be a little crafty. Think outside the box. So, okay, uh, Onyx Hunt. If you go to onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt and you use code ROCKCAST, you can get 20% off, which is pretty great. If you got a new... Um, they have some really cool updates coming in that I think uh, everybody's really going to like. Um, one now, I've talked about it a bunch, but just like I've got a guide coming in next weekend, um, going to help me out, well, this week actually, and then he's going to take his own guys next week during turkey season. Um, and I can like, I can go move a blind or something like that. I can drop a pin and I can take a picture of the blind. I can um, set a track in so it can follow me when I walk into it for the best way to walk into it. And I can just send all of that to him in a text message. He can open it, add it to his own Onyx, and then boom, he's got it. And, um, you know, if, we, if I say like, hey, you know, we've been coming in this way, but it seems like if we go this other way, it would be better. And I can do a track in, send it to him, and then in the dark... Um, he at least has a starting point. So I uh, really am liking that a lot. And then uh, Black Rifle Coffee, if you use code ROCKSLIDE at checkout, you will get 20% off your first order. And right now is like the time for the cold brews. And they have canned cold brews. Um, 
They have like 300 milligram cans, which are huge. They also have smaller 200 milligram cans, which I tend to gravitate more towards. They have mocha flavor and they have a vanilla flavor. I really like mocha, but that vanilla is hard to beat. So um, those are their cold brews. Go check them out. A lot of uh, grocery stores and uh, convenience stores are carrying them now. So go try one. And then uh, Active Junkie. So this website is one that I've talked about uh, quite a bit. Basically, if you go on ActiveJunkie.com and you sign up for a free account, they will have, there's like 1,500, uh, I would say, like logos on their store between brands themselves. Like uh, there's a bunch. There's like Kuyu, Under Armour. There's, um, they're working on First Light, I think. And then they also have like uh, Cabela's, Shields, um, Sportsman's Warehouse, things like that. So they got brands and they have retailers. And what you do is they give you cash back basically for clicking through their site to go to the website you want to purchase for, um, you want to purchase from. So let's say like I want to go to Shields and I want to buy a new hunting blind for... Um, for the outfit, which I actually just did not too long ago. So go into Active Junkie. I'm going to click the Shields link. It's going to shoot me through to the Shields website. I, I pick out the blind I want. I order it. Shields ships it. You check out through Shields. You do everything like normal. And then um, in the yearly time period, like every 90 days, Active Junkie gives you cash back. And it's not through points or only through their website. They give you a PayPal in, um, they deposit in your PayPal account or they just send you a straight up check of your cash back. So great way to save money, especially when you stack on the um, like discounts and coupons and things through the actual website you're, you're purchasing through. So uh, great way to save money. And there are a lot of people on the forums that are laying out examples of how they've saved like quite a lot of money on some of their big purchases by purchasing through Active Junkie and getting cash back. So if you go to activejunkie.com forward slash rockslide, you will, um, yeah, sign up, go check it out. Like it's really kick-ass. Uh, one other thing before I get off this, this, uh, long-winded rant that I seem to do is they also have Lowe's. So home improvement stuff. And there's just a ton of brands on there. It's not all outdoor and fishing and like recreation related. It's like a ton of stuff that a bunch of us like to do. So go check that out. And then we'd like to thank uh, FirstLight.com as well. They have a couple new products out. The the Omen rain gear, which I think everybody should go give a give a look at. It is uh, it's really durable. Like it's their heavyweight rain gear. Um, they moved the vents, like the venting that rain gear usually has, is underneath the the your armpits, so you can zip them open and vent. They moved those to where they're more of like slanted on your chest, um, which for one is just easier to get a hold of and easier to like see where the zippers are and get a hold of them to open. And another thing it does is like a lot of times we don't have to have our rain gear on like all day. So we don't have to, we don't always have like our binocular harness or our chest harness with a pistol in it, like on the outside of the rain jacket. Um, we just want to be able to throw the rain jacket on, get through a, whatever kind of a rain shower there is coming, and we want to take it off again. Um, and 
having to put your binocular harness, take it off, put your rain jacket on, put all that stuff over the top of it. That just like delays you. And it really annoys me that I have to take all that stuff off. So with this, um, with this, uh, venting system that they've got, the zippers, like you don't have to do that. You can, um, put your rain jacket on over the top of all your stuff, open the zippers. You can still get stuff in and out of your bino harness. Um, I like to use a chest holster for, uh, a pistol and I can still draw my pistol super easy through that. Um, and yeah, it's just, it works really good. Like I'm so pumped about that thing. And there are a few other features that are nice. They magnetize the pockets so you don't have to deal with zippers. I really like that, especially with gloves on. Um, and then the, the hood is a little uh, redesigned, if you will, and it's kind of fancy. So if you want to check that out, go to firstslide.com. So that'll wrap it. I think uh, coming up, you know, I need to get my butt in gear for working, working out. So I'm just going to plan on doing some hiking with a pack on. Um, and then doing, jumping on the bike, doing some cardio on a bike. I think that'll be really good for the legs and lungs. So that's what we got. Um, upcoming articles. I think we're going to talk to an outfitter, um, about some of their extreme mountain goat hunts and sheep hunts and things and discuss gear for those, which will be nice. If you have any questions, shoot them over, um, Jordan at rockslide.com. And then, um, gosh, yeah, I guess that's all we got. I will uh, will talk to you guys in a couple weeks on the next installment of Tipsy Tuesday.